0: Welcome to The Marketers Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now, here's your host, Randy Frisch.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to The Marketers Journey. Today's guest is someone who I've been actually trying to schedule for quite some time. And fortunately, as we're living through this stay at home, stay safe mindset, uh, Saranya and I finally got to, to sync with each other. She is the SVP of marketing at Rike. Wrike is a project management software. We don't talk so much about Wrike today, but in the second half, we dig into this idea of what is the right way to manage projects. And this is something that I debate with my team all the time. There's this mindset around, do we get the right solution for every piece of the puzzle? Or do we get something that brings all the different departments together. And if you look even in the space that I often talk a lot about, which is content, you know there are solutions out there that are known often as content marketing platforms. Uberflip wouldn't fall into that bucket. We're more a content experience platform, but on the content marketing platforms, they're often workflow tools. And I've struggled with some of these tools to be very honest. I like a lot of the tools. There's some great software out there, great providers. But when, when I look at them, sometimes I worry that, arming the content team to create a workflow and manage projects really isolates them from the rest of the team, that being marketing, let alone the rest of the company. So you're starting to see more organizations, more departments. How do we find the right software that brings that entire company together? Now, there's a lot of different solutions out there. You'll hear today companies like monday.com, Companies like Trello, for those who are Trello hardcores, you know, which is now technically part of Atlassian. Um, but then again, you you'll hear the other views, which is well, engineering needs their piece, and product marketing needs their piece, and the design team on our team needs our piece. So I'd love to hear you weigh in on this. You know, feel free to you know use our hashtag follow us along, let us know how you're approaching this mindset. And when there's an opportunity to leave some feedback, let us know what you think of Saranya and how she approaches this. Without further ado, here's the SVP of Marketing at Reich and my conversation this past week, Saranya Babu. Hey, Saranya, thank you so much for making time in these uh, very weird times. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's tricky to find time, even at home, to talk about marketing and your career. And your career is really inspiring. Maybe you can share for everyone where you are today and what that role looks like at Rike.
2: Hi, Randy, and hello, everybody. Really an honor to be in this podcast. So I am currently the SVP of marketing at Reich. And Right is a, uh, a collaborative work management platform, and I oversee all of marketing at Rike here. So that includes the brand team, uh, product marketing, demand gen, digital ops, and design.
1: Very, very good. And you know, just to give people some context of the role that you've managed to get yourself into, this is a Reich is a large organization. I believe your marketing team's close to hundred people. Company size is around a thousand people. So that's quite an accomplishment to get to the SVP leading all of marketing at that scale. You know if you had a look back on your career, what is maybe one defining moment right now or one theme that is guiding you to the opportunity you're in today?
2: That's an interesting question. So if I have to look back, you know there's many streams, of course, but if I had to say, you know put my finger on one thing that um, kind of led me to this path. I would say I was always operating at the next level, right? Whatever level I was, I never restricted myself to that level and only looked at, you know, this is my, you know, my realm and let me focus on that and not try to solve the problems of, you know, where my realm connects with someone else's or the next level. I always kind of look at, okay, what does it mean? This is my, this is my work and what does it mean for, you know the next level of management. What does it mean for my peers? And then I always looked at how that interplay worked, and then proactively look for problems there and try to provide solutions. So that you know that way, I I was kind of already operating at that level, at any level. And I think that's that awesome. yeah.
1: It's great advice. I'm curious. Because as your career progresses, the ability to look, as you put it, kind of one step forward Mm -hmm. will always change, you know, at the entry level of one's career versus at the director level, moving to VP, et cetera. Is there the mindset in in terms of finding a mentor or looking around you and asking someone who's already at that level, either in your org or outside, how did you, how did you kind of uh, approach that?
2: So I did a lot of, and of course, secondary research, reading and everything, but I did tap into my network. So my, all of my former colleagues before I take a job, for example, when I, you know, uh, when I were, when I was taking something new in a job, I actually met with a few people that were, you know, that had experience in that role and I spoke with them. So I did a lot of that. So mentoring was something that I did all along.
1: But makes that's that's great. And you know, just to give people a bit of perspective to your career, you know, they can obviously go to LinkedIn and and take a look at your career as they're listening to this podcast, probably on their device. You started off more on an engineering side and then eventually moved into a product marketing role supporting engineers. What was the motivation for you to first of all get into marketing, to understand, you know, coming from an engineering role? You don't see that all the time, that shift from engineer to marketer.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. So my education was all in computer science and I was a software engineer for seven years. And during the last three years of that stint, I became an architect. And what that meant was, you know, I had conversations with customers and partners talking about business requirements, right? So that really got me interested on the business side because as an engineer, you are more tied to the the fun of coding, right? And and often, you know, what is a cool engineering project does not necessarily translate into, you know, business value. And and often what is real business value does not translate into a cool engineering project, right? So that disconnect was always there. And I always try to understand why, you know, we've been asked to do these projects in the first place. So that, you know, that first inter- few interactions with the customer brought me closer to that. And it was very fascinating. So I wanted to, I wanted to kind of move to the business side because. I really liked engineering, but I thought for me the calling was more on the business side. So I did my MBA, and then I moved to the business side, and I started marketing in, in marketing because I, uh, for me marketing was kind of the it's like a linchpin type of role, right? You're at the center in the organization and kind of connecting the various ends and kind of product and sales and customer support and all of the other teams. So I kind of like that centralized role because there's uh, you're connected to the to the business uh, on, on all sides.
1: I couldn't agree more. I've had that that side of me too, you know, sometimes in my career overseeing more than marketing, but I'm always pulled back to marketing because you said it's kind of this glue that pulls so many different departments together. So kind of fast tracking through your career here, as you moved into these marketing roles, I think the part that many people are always aspiring to is how do I get out of the manager level and how do I get to the director or ultimately VP? And you you spoke a little bit about you know trying to act like you're a, you're a step ahead. But what was what was that opportunity that allowed you to be hired into that director mindset? Because from what I can see, you you kind of moved to a new company where you're given that opportunity.
2: Yes, so I think the first step is seeking that with confidence. A lot of people, I think, um, put our you know, hold themselves back in even seeking that opportunity. So for me, I was, I, you know, I, I actively sought the opportunity now without years of experience, right? And in the Silicon Valley, many companies do require a lot a many years of experience in that role, right? So it was an uphill battle, but for me, it was, you know, even if I land, you know, one or two, I'd like to land the right ones, Right? So I only apply for those roles. And my story though, was already there for that role. Meaning because I, you know, I kind of always leveled up a little bit in, even in my previous job before that first director job, I did not restrict myself to my role. Right. So I, uh, I would work with all of the other teams and gain the understanding of how, you know, those things work so that when, when they interviewed me, I already knew all the answers and I already knew you know exactly what that position needed uh, position to And then, yeah. So I think that was the, that's what I would say. No,
1: that makes so much sense. So my last question, then we'll take a break here. Is you got a couple of great opportunities leading entire marketing teams, but if if I look at two companies that you know that are more most recent in your experience, Instapage versus Reich, you know, jumping from a company you know at a certain size of growth, but but to a company at true enterprise scale, how did you prepare yourself to make that jump?
2: Uh, the jump from Instapage to Reich.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, you look at Reich it's it's a, a couple of steps forward in terms of the mm-hmm. company's maturity, the stages, stage of growth and considerations, I'm sure, globally. How did you prepare yourself for that jump, for that change?
2: Yeah, so that's a good question. So in terms of uh, in my transition from Instapage to Reich a few things came together, right? So the first thing is Reich definitely is at a different scale, right? Now, for that particular piece, I have worked at companies that are at that scale, and even like bigger scale. So, if you look at Cisco and Dell and NetApp, uh, even Flexera, which is you know BDNA was part of that. So, all these companies definitely uh, gave me that mindset and that experience of you know scaling, right? So, some of these companies rapidly scale when I was there. So, I saw that transition from you know like true startup into like you know process more process oriented operational type of transformation so i was very familiar with that now in terms of the uh, specific i would say the experience that got me this role you know this this two sides right what got me interested but also what got them interested but the culmination of the two i would say is really my experience at instapage where instapage is a SaaS company right so we we had a self-serve model and then uh, at, at instapage we i was hired to transition to the enterprise side of the business and i uh, kind of as part of the, you know, laying the foundation and you know, hiring the sales uh, leader and building everything from ground up for that transition. So we achieved close to like 30x of the ACV, right, average kind of contract value during my time there. And so the going up market experience and kind of building out that enterprise was what Reich was also looking for. And so Reich has a, you know, also has a transaction side of the business, and we we serve companies of all sizes. And so for us, I think that experience probably was, uh, I would say, the factor.
1: Now that that's, that definitely makes a lot of sense. It sounds like a very natural progression for you. And I want to dig into some of the ways that you believe we, you know, you should operate these teams and the differences. But we'll dig in a little bit more on that when we talk about the buyer journey. Right after a short break here, we will take a quick pause here on the podcast and be right back with Saranya Babu talking about how she looks at her marketer's journey from the customer's perspective.
0: Want to create high converting experiences for your demand strategies that accelerate pipeline and drive revenue? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and Stantec are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies. And we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com slash journey to see how uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences to drive demand.
1: All right, Sonia. So we dug into your career and how you got to where you are today. And I'm sure along that career, different pieces of technology kind of dictate how you manage your team. Now, you're in an interesting position in that you're running a solution that's probably part of your stack today where you probably had no choice, but I'm sure you love it. What is your mindset more generally around what is the right solution to manage projects?
2: Yeah, so you know I've been just out of experience and, and I do work it right now, but in all of my past companies, I've always had a... Uh, some kind of a project management software, and, and one of at one of my previous companies, it was also right. But I've also used competitive products, so I am very familiar with the with, with, with these the software. But also, I think I was a I was a kind of a power user starting like at, at my last job, and what I did was this project management software, right? But software by itself is can take you so far. You need know, the you need know, the process around it. And then you need the people on top of it, so it's it's always about people, process, technology, and so kind of bringing it all together can significantly make a difference. And I saw that happen at uh, at my last job. I saw that, the RC and I so I'm kind of implementing that at my current job as well. But definitely, I think it's a it's a key part of any marketing team, or even any any company, right? If you want to like bring all of your departments into so, you know to be to be aligned with each other. Uh, to really have that layer uh, what what i call the single digital workspace for, for all of the teams but now the teams are working remotely with you know with with the kind of shelter in place and all of that it becomes even more important you know it it's really your it becomes your virtual office almost so
1: absolutely i you know what you hit on something around the idea of aligning all departments and i think that's an area that I'm pretty much sure we'll all agree the idea that everyone should be aligned. Everyone should use the same software. The problem that sometimes happens is every department finds the software that is best for them. And in some cases there is a better option for, you know, design versus, you know, maybe product marketing versus so on. And we can go through that in different departments. You know, how do you rally an entire company though, around one solution and buying into that? I mean, some of us have done that for something like Slack, but how do you get that for more project management?
2: Yeah, so that's a very interesting question. So let me start with just how, and, and let's talk about slightly bigger companies, right, that are either scaling really fast or are so big that they have to, you know, really maintain business continuity and, you know, disruption can be expensive. So when you look at a company like that, right, there are multiple departments and every department has their own unique needs, right? The engineering department is very different. Like, and I've been in that department. You know, there is no way I'm switching, you know, my, my tools there. Right? And then there's like the product department, there's marketing, sales, and CS. All these departments are there, and they all have different needs. But if, you know, as they start working in their own tools, the problem is that previously, like, you know, maybe like a couple of decades ago, work was very hierarchical. And you know it was very structured, meaning there were teams co-located in some kind of a location, and they would only work with each other. right They were structured so that the teams worked with each other. Anything that flowed would flow through their manager, and then manager would talk to their peer and then it went down, right? So it, it was all like that. Now, if you see how modern you know, workplaces evolved, People work in a highly matrixed cross-functional structure. Now, I'll give you an example. So if you take even an engineering, right? If you take any project you, and, and most engineering teams, at least during those times, but I know even now, are usually organized you know, by skill set, right? So for example, you have a front-end group and a back-end group, a QA group, and maybe a release group and you know, DevOps or whatever that is. Now, if, if you take any project, it's not like the front-end team is working with each other, right? It's usually one front-end person, one back-end person, one QA person, then one DevOps, working on a cross-functional project, right? So the project is what brings them together and they're all from different teams. Similarly, if you take a a go-to-market, right? If you're launching a product, Many teams are involved, and, you know, there's a product teams, a product marketing teams, there's a demand gen teams, sales ops, and everybody involved. It's not that the product marketing team members work with each other. They actually work, you know, there's a PMM for a certain product launch that works with APM, a product manager, and then they work with someone in sales ops and rev ops and, uh, you know, demand gen, ARPR. So there's one member, it's a highly cross-functional team working on a project, right? now this structure is is now the most popular structure so when you look at this then the old structures where you know teams used to teams and departments simply just worked with each other right previously and it was just a you know flow in one direction through the manager doesn't work anymore so you ha- you know these days projects are all super cross-functional, right? So there's people of different departments working together on a project. So you need to really reorient, you Kind know, of companies need to kind of, uh, you know, pivot to that particular kind of cross-functional collaboration structure. And if every department has its own type of setup, this matrix type of structure breaks down, right? It doesn't work anymore. Now, for example, I did use, uh, at my one of my previous companies, when I used a, uh, in this setup, right? Like the marketing team had its own, system the product team has its own system what we did was we we used the system more like a spreadsheet right we tracked our own tasks here but then for any kind of interaction with the product team which is on a on a completely different system we really just used you know slack and you know, email and it basically pretty much broke down to not having a system at all right and so it brought in so much more inefficiency because today work is cross-functional so i think it's really important for all the departments to come onto one thing. Now, what can really make it successful, though, is being able to get all the departments on that one platform because every department is different. At the end of the day, the reason why they, stick to, they want to stick to their own tools is because they have different needs. So I think what's really important is having a system or a tool that is customizable to the unique needs of every department, right? And that's when the departments can all take it, and if they're able to make it their own, because people, you know, departments, people, teams, they work best when they do things their way, right? It's, it's hard to change their ways. So a tool that allow, or a platform that allows them to work their way But then it's also something that is super customizable that you can take one platform, bring everybody onto one platform, but then it's, it's so customized that it's really their, you know, their way of working. That's when you can bring them all on the same platform. And that's where we successfully use, Rike, You know, within our company, but also that's where we see success with our customers when we talk to them, and they're able to get people all of the departments on one platform because of the customizability, and so that's that's kind of okay. the Just yeah.
1: just to jump in there, I'm I'm curious on on one one quick item, one quick question before we we wrap up here, which is, you know, it's you know, working at a company like Reich, it's easy to get buy-in across the organization for this, and everything you walked us through in the last few minutes, you know, it it makes sense for everyone to work together in an aligned way. You know, the, the question that I think some people run into is I've, in the in, more historically, I've taken the approach with software that you need a single point owner, right? Like there needs mm-hmm. to be an executive sponsor. Usually, you usually want one executive sponsor that trickles down to one administrator, one power user, et cetera. You know, the, the challenge when you get into project management is you kind of need, as you said, a matrix of different power users, different administrators, you know, who collaborate with each other. Who most often is that champion, though, for, for project management software in today's kind of like modern
2: workforce? So that's where the whole importance of the PMO office comes into the picture. So the program management office or the project manager, right? So that's one of the things I implemented at my previous company as well. I brought in a marketing, we call it campaign manager, but really a pro- project manager, right? Their whole work is to make their... The job was to you know, create the framework, the processes, and you know, do the campaign briefs and kick off calls, stand up meetings, and basically take that whole process through. Because without that people layer, it's not gonna succeed. So that's really important.
1: Makes so much sense. All right, so I know we're we're out of time for this part, but uh, you know, if people, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity for a little call to action. But we're going to take a quick break here before we do. We'll be back with how you take time for yourself, and at that point, you'll let us know where we can learn more about being great project managers. Right back after a moment on the Marketer's Journey. All right, Sarah. Yeah, so we have learned all about your career, all about how you manage teams at such scale as you've had to grow and adapt. Amid all those crazy lefts and rights and you know directions that you don't know you're going to go is the need to take a break. Now, some of us are, are stuck at home right now amid this <laughs> COVID-19 pandemic. So a break is is almost harder now than ever. But when you think about taking a break, how do you break out those times with such a busy schedule as a marketing leader?
2: So I think it, it really comes down to um, you know focus, right? So you know I, I take all kinds of breaks. So every two years, I I go to India for the, for like a, at least a four week break, and then um, every year I also try to go on on a break outside the country. So we went to Southeast Asia two years ago, so something like that, two or three week break. I do keep the lights on in terms of, you know, maybe quick responses and those type of things, even when I'm on vacation at nights, you know, just to make sure that, you know, I remove the quick roadblocks and the team is able to proceed. So I do that. So, you know, that helps me also with the continuity. But uh, in the smaller breaks, like, you know, uh, like a two week two day getaway or something i i do those as well to you know make sure that you, know, you don't go too long without a break so just make sure that when you're in a break you're in a break and i also plan them out so that they're not you know in you know very close to a board meeting or any of those things so i do calendar that out to make sure they're not conflicts.
1: absolutely all all great tips there especially getting those uh Exec alignment opportunities and board meetings in there is the trickiest part because the last thing you want to do is cancel vacation for one of those. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, Serena, thank you so much. I I promise you the opportunity where if people want to learn more about project management, what's a what's a great place for them to go?
2: Well, our website, so ww.wike.com would be the best place to start.
1: Amazing. And if they want to learn more about you and kind of see how they checked out their career, I I gonna assume LinkedIn's the place to go.
2: Yeah, LinkedIn would be a good place to go.
1: Beautiful. So that's Saranya, S-A-R-A-N-Y-A, which I believe is your handle on LinkedIn. Saranya, thank you so much for taking time today. Talk to people to share how you've navigated your career. For those who've enjoyed hearing her story, feel free to tune in and check us out on iTunes, on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We've had an opportunity to chat with so many amazing marketing leaders. Over this first season, you know, we're getting close to the end of the first season, but the second season is just around the corner. Thanks so much for being a part of the marketer's journey. Until next time, stay safe.